0: Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Good stuff on the way today. This is the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Walter Storholt with David Dickens, financial advisor and the president and wealth advisor at KC Financial Advisor, serving you throughout the Kansas City, Overland Park areas, and uh, all surrounding communities. Wherever you are listening to today's show, we thank you for joining us. You can find out more information online at Cover Your Assets KC. Dot com. David, we've got a great episode on tap today talking about some financial jargon, investment terms that I think everybody would uh, benefit from knowing about. We're going to dive into all that in a moment, but first, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great. We've got, um, we got the Chiefs up in St. Joe, cracking open uh, preseason camp, so... Boy, I tell you, it's a great time to be driving home and listen to sports radio.
0: Finally, something to talk about a little (laughs) bit, like a little nugget to talk about, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Hope (laughs) springs eternal this time of year.
0: Not not all theoretical anymore for sports fans. Actually get some (laughs) on-field news, at least a a tiny bit, a tiny taste of it. So I know that gets you excited for fall. Looking ahead a little bit, but we've still got much of the summer to deal with, David, and uh, we still have a bit of a topsy-turvy stock market. Not sure which way things are going to go. A lot of people wondering about bear markets, and it just kind of gave rise to, you know what, it's a, it's time again to kind of go over some financial jargon, some terms people might be hearing in the news uh, as they listen to, whether it be the radio or watch on TV or read about it, and if anybody still reads newspapers or magazines, those kinds of things. We did this a couple of months back, and uh, it's time to bring it up once again, but we've got a whole new crop of terms to throw in people's uh, direction today. Uh, So we've got five—I mean, we're going to kind of cheat because some of these are combo terms, David, so we're going to kind (laughs) of cheat. It's technically more than five, but we'll call it five categories of terms to go over on the show today. So first, something we've uh, heard a lot about the last couple of weeks, bear markets kind of conversely goes against what a bull market is. Give us the skinny from your perspective. What is a retiree, a pre-retiree, anybody wondering about their financial lives? What do they need to know about bear and bull markets?
1: Well, everybody probably knows that you love a a bull market and you're not so sure. You don't like a bear market. Nobody likes to get mauled by a bear. So kind of the definition would be, well... (laughs) The definition is if you're not in a bear market, then you're in a bull market. But that doesn't really get us very far. So the terms kind of describe... That was going to be it,
0: my first question, though, David. Like, <laughs> it, you know, if one is up and one is down or, you know, one trend one direction or the other, what about stagnant? Is there a, you know, what would what would be the stagnant? Because that wouldn't be a bull or a bear, right?
1: Well, I'll give you that. I'll oh, tell okay. you that right, right now. You're either one or the other. So it describes the interim or the long, intermediate or long-term trend in the stock market. So, for instance, uh, a bull market is when it's going up and has been going up, and that can last for years. But once the market is down 20% from the peak, that's when it's the vast, everybody would consider that to be the start of a bear market. Now, bear markets usually don't last very long, sometimes as short as three months, sometimes as long as 18 months, or in the case of great financial crisis or the dot-com bubble or 1928, sometimes longer, but a new bull market. So you're back to your, just question of a couple of seconds ago is, well, how do you know whether you're not in between one? Well, you're either one or the other. Once a bear market starts and you're down 20% from the top, once you're up 20% from the bottom of the downturn, that's when a new bull market starts. So, Where are we right now? Well, right now we're in a bear market because the S&P, NASDAQ, probably the Dow, but I couldn't tell you that for 100% sure, have been down more than 20%. And we don't know if we've seen the bottom yet. I'm guessing we haven't, but there are some really smart people who say we have. Either way, I think the S&P was down maybe 25%. And so wherever that was, I happen I mean we happen to know cuz we said it on last week's podcast, um 3666 was the current bottom. Well, once it's up 20% from there, a new bull market will have considered to have been started. I guess one maybe maybe where I should go with this is why does why do we care? And why does a why does a pre-retiree or a retiree care? Well, Young people don't really care because they keep jamming money into their 401ks every two weeks and they're totally happy when the market goes down because they're buying stocks on sale. But when you're spending money out of those accounts in retirement, all of a sudden you're not dollar cost averaging, you're reverse dollar cost averaging. Sometimes you're selling those stock holdings in order to fund your income and you don't want to do that. So... What you the reason that's important is if you're in a long protracted bear market, which we might be in right now, maybe somewhat similar to 2008, which took, you know, five years to get all the way back to even what you want to make sure is that you have cash on hand, short term bonds, really short term bonds these days to cover your spending during a bear market. So, you know, I told myself I wasn't going to go down a bunch of rabbit holes today and now on the first topic. I've already gone down a rabbit hole, Mission but accomplished. that's the basic difference between a bull and a bear market. You're in one or the other, and once the bull market peaks and goes down 20%, that flips us into what we call a bear market.
0: I'd always wondered what was the middle ground, and I'm glad you clarified for us today that there is none. You're in one or the other. Fantastic. All right, so that's bull versus bear markets. Hopefully, that gives you a little uh, little education on the show today. What about diversification? I bet everybody could take a stab at what that means, and it does seem to be different depending on who you ask, David. So, if we're trying to understand some financial jargon and all that kind of stuff, why would diversification be so important to get a grasp of?
1: Well, uh, because it's a way to reduce. It's a it's a key method for reducing the the stock market risk in your portfolio. So I think of two different ways to use that term. One is, um, let's say you're in um, an S&P 500 mutual fund. You get broad diversification amongst 500 of the biggest, baddest, coolest companies in America, as opposed to just picking uh, five or six or eight or 10 on your own, which you may or may not have expertise on. So that's a way to diversify your risk away from any one or two or three companies and have a a broader array of risks such that when one or six of those companies have a bad day, week, month, or year, it's unlikely that all of them are gonna have one at the same time. Now, another, a, a narrower way to do this, and I'm gonna discuss it in a little bit more detail, Actually, you know what, I think I'm just going to knock this off right now. Um, another way to, to look at diversification is let's say for instance, that you want to own utilities, public utilities, you're retired. You like the dividend, you know, that they're typically less volatile than the stock market, et cetera. So you may decide, you know what? I'm just going to pick out four or five utilities, or I'm going to buy an ETF. That has a broad exposure to utilities, and that would happen to have a ticker symbol, probably a VPU. And so, here's why that's important. So, I was looking at VPU this morning, and everybody here in Kansas City who pays a um, an electric or a gas bill probably knows who Evergy is, and you probably know who Atmos Energy is. Atmos is our gas company, and Evergy is our electric company. Now, if you happen to be in California, you would know that Pacific Gas and Electric is your company. So what you might say is, you know what? I want some utility exposure and I'm, I like my company right here. So I'm just going to invest in that and forget about diversifying away from any particular risk. Well, if you look at, so what we're going to do right now is take a look at Evergy, PG&E and the Vanguard utility, which is broadly diversified and say, well, what would have happened over the last year and three years if I had done one or the other? If you were living in Kansas City and you said, you know what, I'm just gonna buy Evergy, then over the last year, your Evergy stock would be up 0.3%. Well, it's not down, and the market's down, so that's okay. If you'd done PG and E, oh my gosh, you'd be up 21 and a half percent. Pretty cool. And the and the broadly diversified Utilities ETF is up 6.8%. However, let's say you'd done this three years ago and the same three choices, well, the, the Evergy from Kansas City, that's up 7.7% over the last three years. The broad ETF is up almost 15%, but PG&E out in California, it's down 43%. You've lost almost half of your money in a utility that you thought, well, That seems pretty safe. I pay them a bill every month. How could they have had that bad of performance? Well, here's how they had something called idiosyncratic risk. They had a risk that was that was unique to them. You might remember that they declared bankruptcy because they had these power lines that were snapping and causing forest fires in California. And they got sued and they said, I guess we better declare bankruptcy. They're still sending out bills. They're still collecting money. They're still providing power. It's a good company. It's been a horrible investment. And that's why combining these, the first, uh, two topics, mainly this diversification, whether it's broad or narrow, this is a way owning the utility ETF has been a perfectly great investment over the last one year and three years. It has shielded you from the idiosyncratic risk or the unique risk that Pacific Gas and Electric PG&E has had, and you've had some exposure to the stuff right here in Kansas City. So that's why diversification is super important. Unless it's your job or you are a super duper do-it-yourselfer at picking individual stocks, and I've rarely met one of those people, this type of diversification can give you the exposure to, for instance, utilities, without trying to pick the one or two or three or six that you believe are gonna do best. That's diversification. And that's why it's super important, pretty much any decade of your life that you're living in, but especially in when you're in or nearing retirement.
0: Great example to see how diversification is really supposed to work for you and in your portfolio. Uh, really laid out very well there, David. I appreciate the attention to detail uh, to help give us some really good background information there. Really appreciate it. And if you have questions about that further, how can you diversify your portfolio in the proper way for all of your investments, everything that you have aligned for your retirement and financial future? Well, it's always easy to reach out to David. You can call him at 913. 913- Three one seven fourteen fourteen 317 1414 Again, 913-317-1414. Or go online to coveryourassetskc.com. And we'll put the contact info in the description of today's show for you so it's easy to find. All right, David, the word people have been hearing a lot lately. We heard a bear market a lot earlier on in the show, and we did for the last couple of months. And now we're hearing recession more and more. So what's there to know about that financial jargon? Recession.
1: Yeah, that's important to know because during recessions, the stock market tends to be a lot lower for a lot longer. And so if there was a way to see that one was at the doorstep, well, you'd kind of like to know that. So a recession is nothing more than a kind of a significant uh, prolonged downturn in economic activity in, for instance, the United States. Usually economic activity would would be kind of, symbolized by GDP growth. So there's one really easy way, one definition, one easy definition that most people use. And then there's the, the actual definition. The easy definition of a recession is when we have two consecutive calendar quarters where GDP is negative. So you might say, well, well, gee, Dave, uh, I think I remember that first quarter of this year it was negative and I think by the time this podcast airs, we'll know what second quarter GDP is because I think it comes out Thursday of this week. And right now, there's a decent expectation that it's going to be negative too. So there's a case to be made that we are in at least a mild recession right now. Recessions are actually called by the NBER, the National Bureau of Economic Research, and they always declare a recession way after it's ended because they look at a bunch of indicators, they sit around in the debate, you know, the depth of each of these things. They typically look at things like the strength of non-farm payrolls, industrial production, and things like retail sales. And so that's how they determine when a recession started and when it ended. But let's say we're in one now. Well, NBER, won't declare that this is a recession for nine or 12 months. So kind of the the layman's way of doing it is probably the most instructive for us in that when we see two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, that's a pretty darn good indication that we're gonna have a declaration that we're actually in a recession. Again, it's important because markets tend to go down a lot more during a recession than when we have a bear market that's not in a recession.
0: That's helpful to know those details as well, David. A recession, again, important term to know, one we're going to be hearing a lot about over the coming weeks and months. Hopefully not longer than that, David, though. <laughs> that, that'd be a bad sign if we're still hearing about recession in years. We don't want that for to sure. that long. Uh, all right, so you, you touched on one of these next pieces of financial jargon a little bit earlier in the episode. You, you talked about ETFs, but what about if we're talking about sort of the difference between this group of investments? So we have ETFs, mutual funds, index funds, and target date funds, kind of all falling under the same family, if you will. Is that an accurate way of of putting it?
1: Yeah, there are ways to invest your money, some of them turnkey, some of them not, but they have different attributes. So I'm just going to try to, without going into excruciating detail, try to just paint a a quick kind of high level picture of each of those things. It's real easy to lump ETFs and mutual funds in the same bucket. Let me start with index funds and just say that index funds can either be a mutual fund or an ETF. They are passively managed in that they mirror an index like the Russell 2000 or the S&P 500 or the NASDAQ or any one of a hundred other indexes that are out there. And what it allows you to do is with one purchase or one sale, it allows you to buy or get out of a particular index instead of with the S&P 500. Instead of buying all 500 stocks, you buy one ETF or one mutual fund, and it's passively managed. Um, ETFs and mutual funds otherwise can be either actively managed or passively managed. Uh, let's see. An active might be I'm trying to think of a of a good example of an active. Well, you've probably heard of the name uh, Kathy Woods <laughs> and her Ark ETFs. Those are super actively managed. They don't really most times uh, measure up against an index. So what what those ETF what the managers of those ETFs are trying to do is pick the best technology stocks or the best internet stocks and they have put it in an ETF form, they've just chosen that instead of a mutual fund form. So that's an active as opposed to something that's passive that just mirrors an index. And then target date funds. If you've got a 401k, you're probably very familiar with target date funds. If you don't, uh, let's see, the labor department not too many years ago said, if a 401k investor doesn't pick a set of mutual funds that they want to be invested in, then the company needs to invest them in a target date fund that most aligns with that particular person's retirement year. So for instance, you could have um, a target date fund that is target date 2030. In other words, you might be retiring in or about 2030 or 2060, 2060 retirement uh, target date fund. What's the difference between those two? They're kind of the ultimate way to put your investments on autopilot. But for instance, Vanguard, I picked on them because they're very widely distributed. The Vanguard 2065 fund. In other words, you're not gonna retire till 2065. It's 91% stocks and 9% bonds, very aggressive. The target date fund 2025, also from Vanguard, is about 57% stock and 43% bonds, way less aggressive. But I've also talked to people who said, "Well Dave, I was in the 2010 or the 2015 target date fund. I'm already retired. I thought that would have been way more conservative." And so, what's important to you as an investor is you need to find out Vanguard does it differently from from the next company down the street and there are a lot of choices in a for instance a 2030 target date fund what you need to figure out is what is the one i'm investing in what's its asset allocation it could be uh, heavy in well for instance the uh, vanguard 2065 it's 91% of stock is about 54% us stock and about 36 or 37% foreign stock well that may be that may not be what you're particularly interested in So what you don't want to assume is that all of those, just because they have 2035 or 2040 on their label, that they're all generically assembled. They're not. And you'd want to do a little bit of research to figure out, is that particular target date fund right for what I'm trying to accomplish in my portfolio?
0: Got to ask ourselves the key questions when these things pop up. And I think that's really important, David, to get the understanding and the differences between these things, even if they are in the same realm or same family. Some very important differences between all of these elements. All right, I saved the best for last, David. So uh, you-, you knew it was coming. <laughs> 401ks versus IRAs versus Roth IRAs. Now, some of our listeners they may be like, "Okay, yeah, I, I get the differences between these," but a lot of people still get confused by it, even if they have these different accounts under their umbrella.
1: Right. So there are a bunch of nuance differences between a 401k and an IRA, and I'm I th- I'll probably mention t- I think I'm going to mention two of them. The only difference between a the 401k IRA universe. And the Roth IRA, or for that matter, the Roth 401k universe, is when you pay your taxes. If you do anything called a Roth, that just means you're paying your taxes now. And all of the future growth and all of the distributions you make to yourself are all tax-free. Penalty-free if you do them after 59 and a half as well. And again, there are some nuances there. Whereas a 401k and an IRA, you're putting money in and you're getting a tax deduction today. But out in the future, every penny of what you put in and growth is taxed as ordinary income at your highest marginal tax bracket. The way to think about that is with your 401k or your IRA, you have a partner in that account. And that partner is not your spouse, it's the IRS. So you get to retirement and you think you have a million dollar IRA, but what you really have is let's say a $750,000 IRA because the IRS has a claim on $250,000 of that if you're in the 25% bracket. Now, Topeka is going to want some or Jeff City is going to want some or wherever you live, you're going to pay some some state taxes on that unless you happen to live in Texas or Florida or some other places. So that's the real difference. Then there, there are nuanced differences. We've That's when if you have a question about, um, you know, can I take a, a distribution out of my 401k before 59 and a half and I don't want to pay the penalty. Is there a way to do that? Well, yes, there is. Not for this podcast, but that's when you might need either a really good ability to Google or you need a financial advisor that can walk you through that stuff. But the big moving part difference between those two types of accounts is when you pay your taxes. And that can be super important depending on what tax rate you're going to be in retirement versus the tax rate you're in right now.
0: It also sounds like you've just discovered a future topic for another show there, David. (laughs) 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 Write that, write that down. That could be. Very good. Uh, Love the differences there. Love that illustration. So there you have it. Some important financial jargon. David, the level of detail, fantastic on today's episode. Really feel like uh, I learned a few tidbits from you, and I know our listeners probably did as well. Once again, if you want to get in touch with David, Something you heard you want some more clarification on, if there's some jargon that you've heard out there that you want uh, to get David's opinion on or get his suggestions about as it relates to your plan, or go through the complete planning review process. You want to get that CPR process done on your portfolio your financial plan, any way, shape, and form, you can reach out and touch base with David. Smoke signals, those are always allowed. You can also pick up the phone, give David a call, 913-317-1414, or you can go online to coveryourassetskc.com. And again, all that contact information is in the description of today's show. David thorough and well done, my friend, and we'll look forward to another episode with you next week.
1: Yes, sir. I'll be ready for whatever comes my way, Walter. Thank you.
0: Yeah, excellent. Uh new episodes each week. Come back and join us for another right here. Uncover your assets, KC. Investment advisory services offered through ChangePath LLC, a registered investment advisor. ChangePath LLC and KC Financial Advisors are separate companies.